Hey, listen, uh, this morning as we transition, um, I really believe uh, God's put some things in my heart that are for some people today. I just encourage you to do this. It's kind of two-sided. There's a personal application in what I'm going to preach today, and then there's a corporate application in what I want to preach today. And, and I really believe just even the happenings today uh, really identify, man, what I'm going to preach to you is right on the money. Fair enough? So, so listen, today it doesn't matter really uh, what situation you're in. Uh, God's bigger than that. And I just encourage you to open your hearts up and say, Holy Ghost, talk to me today, because he will. Amen? We believe that? Yes. So we're just going to kind of go through... You know, just a message here, really simple. But once again, I want to encourage you to do this. I, you know, part of my concern before we dive in is this, is that I'll be kind of elusive. But if I believe you open up your heart, uh, it'll be really pinpointed. Fair enough? Fair enough. Amen. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we just thank you for your word, God, that's alive and powerful and sharper than your two-edged sword. God, we're a people, God, today who believe your word. God, we're not a people who thinks that, man, it's uh, it's just an old, crusty, dusty book. But, God, we're a people who believe that it's still alive and it's still powerful and it still has the ability to talk right to us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come in this place and just drop your anointing in this place, drop your presence in this place. God, would you fill our hearts and let us turn our attention to you because you said that if we would open up our, our mouths wide, God, you would fill it. And so, Lord, today, thank you for filling this up. Holy Spirit, thank you for doing what you do best, and that's teach. So thank you for your anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, listen, this morning we're going to dive uh, into the fourth part of our current series. We've been in this series called Rethink Church. And really the purpose behind all of this is this, that we're asking the Holy Spirit uh, to come and to answer one question for us, and that is, what is church? Uh, you know, you know as well as I know that if we walk around this community and we ask people, hey, uh, you, you know, what is church? You're going to get a thousand different answers. Is that true? Yeah. It's very true. So anyway, so we're just saying, Holy Ghost, would you come and would you talk to us and will you bring clarity once again to that question, what is church? Now, like I said, this is the fourth part. So uh, in response to that question, uh, we've discussed again and again, basically uh, one thing. The, it's a verse that Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, where he said, I will build my church. How many of you guys know it's his church, not our church? Amen. Yes. Yeah, so listen, uh, as we've been going through this, we've seen that when Jesus said, I'll build my church, that he wasn't talking about a certain denomination, as some people would like to believe. Yes, he wasn't talking about a certain movement. He wasn't even talking about a building. Rather, he was talking about a redeemed people who had been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Isn't that good news today? That he was talking about people. So listen, he was talking about people that uh, he desired to walk in unity in spite of their race, in spite of their age, in spite of their gender, in spite of their background, in spite of their social and their financial circumstance or their situation. Isn't that good? That he said, hey, this is for everybody, right? So listen, he was talking about when he said, I will build my church. He was talking about those that he gladly forgave of their sins. He was talking about those that he gladly set free from bondage. He was talking about those that he gladly, literally, what did he do? He marked and he sealed them for the day of redemption. Is that any of you? If it's not, we'll work it out before you leave. All right? So half of y'all not even sure. All right, here we go. So anyways, listen, when he was talking about I'll build my church, he was talking about those who are joint heirs with Christ. He was talking about those that he calls his own special people. He was talking about those that are his royal priesthood, his holy uh, nation. He was talking about those that he calls the uh, his beloved, the apple of his eye. He was talking about those that have the privilege, which is us, to be called the bride of Christ. I love what he says. He says that those are the ones that he loves with an everlasting love. It's good news, yes? Going really fast for you guys, aren't I? Hang in there with me. I'm from the south. All right, here we go. We don't all talk slow from down there, right? This morning, we want to talk about... We're not all like that, all right? 
So anyway, so listen, when we look back at Matthew 16, and once again, Jesus saying, I will build my church, uh, he intentionally used a Greek word uh, that brought all of those things that we just talked about together, and that word is ekklesia. Some people say ecclesia. You can say it both ways, but it's ekklesia, and it simply means this. It simply means the assembly or the gathering of the called out ones. I love the other, the other definition there. It says this, is those who belong to the Lord. Isn't that really good that we belong to the Lord? Amen. I still got bread in my mouth and I'm working out in here. Isn't it amazing how this stuff just gets so dry when it's in the sound of communion? Anyways, maybe it's just me. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so listen, but if we realize it or not, this ecclesia, this church is who we're called to be, right? And understand that we are called out from God, uh, by God to know him. Is there any greater thing in the world than to know God? Yeah, there's nothing, right? It's to know him that we've been literally called out so we can live by faith and not by sight. Get that. Not by our emotions, not by our circumstances, so we can live by faith in what? In the word of God. Amen. Listen, that we've been called out so we can believe for things that are exceedingly above and beyond anything that we could ever hope or imagine. That we've been called out to believe for greater things, but not only to believe for greater things, but to do greater things. Amen. I love what Brother Daniel said. He said that, uh, that God's people will do great exploits. Did you know that? He was talking about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Listen, did you know that we were called out to live from heaven's resources and heaven's possibilities? That we weren't called out to just literally uh, scrape by in life. Right? Emotionally. Literally, emotionally, just, man, I hope I make it. Uh, we weren't called to live in depression. Man, there's a heaven's resource called joy. Amen. Listen, we were called out to literally to literally walk with God in what? In his God-given authority or God-given authority and God-given victory. Do you know that? That we're supposed to have victory. We're supposed to live defeated. Aren't you thankful for that? Listen, we were called out to have what? To literally go and to release heavenly influence everywhere we go. To literally change the spiritual atmosphere when we go to places. And we were called to do what? And called and anointed to make a difference. That literally we were called to be an extension of Jesus' hands and his feet and his heart. Are y'all feeling me today? Listen, that when we walk in a room, I'll just say it this way. I'll say it the way I want to say it. How many of you guys have ever been in a room and everybody's laughing and talking and then somebody comes in the room and they're like this? And the whole atmosphere goes, yes. Do you realize that we are called to do the opposite? I'm so tired of Christians doing that. Yes, that when they walk in the room, they're, they're so they're so they're more in bondage to their legalistic ways than they ever were in their sin. Right. And what they do is they just literally they're a killjoy right in the room. OK, but listen, let me say this. When we're called to be Jesus hands, we're called to be Jesus feet. We're called to be Jesus heart. Something happens when we grab a hold of all of that. We get to be his mouthpiece. You, you know, there's that side. I'm so tired of people trying to be his mouthpiece when they've never learned how to be his hands and his feet. And they've never learned his heart. Right. Man, it's just embarrassing. Makes us look so bad. Yes. It's like if you don't get that, if you never learn how to serve, if you never learn the heart of God, just shut up. Amen. The kids are downstairs. I can say that. All right, here we go. So listen, so when we're talking about all those things, those are pretty awesome, right? Uh, but, but I want you to understand this morning, those things are not who we are going to be. That's who we are. That we are the ecclesia of the living God, right? That we are that now. Do you believe that? If you're not sure, maybe. We're not, we don't know. But we are that, okay? So in other words, when Jesus, when Jesus came and, and took up residence in you, he brought that with him. So it's there. It's available. It's just up to us if we walk in it or not. Yeah? We won't get you there by the end of the day. Here we go. <laughs> 
Listen, I want to, I want to shift gears here a little bit, and uh, before we dive completely, this is all introduction, but um, I, I want to read something to you that I recently read, and I believe it really captures the heart of this series, and, and so check this out. We'll throw it up on the board. Johnny will help us. But I recently read this. It says, the church is made up of real people, and when they come together, we have the church. Pretty simple. The Bible says that, right? That we are the church, and when we come together, we, we, we have church. All right? But it says, whatever the people are who make up the church, this is the kind of church it is. No worse and no better, no wiser, no holier, no more passionate, and no more worshipful. To improve, or I would like to say to grow or change the church, you must begin with the individuals. Are you all with me? So this tells me this. When I read that, it tell me this, that it is impossible. And we'll throw it up. That's impossible to rethink church without rethinking ourselves because we are the church. Amen. So, so you know, there's that, that old saying that, uh, you know, everybody wants to change the world. Few people want to change themselves. And here's the thing. There's so many people in the church that want to change the church they go to, but they've never realized that, guess what? Their church is a reflection of them. And if they would get the eye open and maybe I need to change me and it would change the church, it would be a whole lot better. Right. I just said it this way. Maybe if I approach church and quit griping about everything I don't like and I'm thankful for what I do like and just go to meet God, then maybe God will show up. You know, because he kind of runs away from people who grumble and complain. Y'all all right? Let me get back on point before I get myself in trouble with y'all. All right, here we go. So listen, when we look at that, that's impossible to rethink church without rethinking ourselves. Because once again, we are the church. This means that we can't rethink or evaluate the church without rethinking or evaluating our own hearts and our own lives. It's, it's kind of this, if we realize or not, that this church, this church... It's nothing more and nothing less than a reflection of every one of us in this room. You get that? This reflection of us in this room. And, and it's kind of like this, that, that it's a reflection of our own individual walks with Jesus. Do you get that? It's a reflection of every one of our own personal walks with Jesus. That, that this church reflects our strengths in the kingdom and it, and it reflects our weaknesses in the kingdom. Yeah? It, it's, it's this. I've said this to him blue in the face for the last two years. It's like... Uh, if, if I don't learn to love my word on Monday, I'll never love it on Sunday. If I never learn how to worship on Tuesday when nobody's around, I probably won't be that great at worshiping on, uh, on Sunday. Are you following me? If I don't really pray on Wednesday, I probably won't know how to pray when it comes Sunday. Really, it's, it's, it's no words. We, we accumulate all this in the week, and then when we gather, because once again, we are, we, we are the church. When we come to church, guess what? It's just a celebration of what God's doing. It's a place to get equipped, to get encouraged, and all those things. But it's up to me to do that the other six days of the week so I can bring it on the other one. Are y'all with me today? Are y'all okay? I'm not beating you. I'm just being honest, okay? It's just, it's just truth, right? Uh, so, l- listen. You know, when we sit there to go, hey, you got to you got to start with the individual. I promise you, I, I realize I'm the first one in that line. You know, I, I don't. In other words, from this guy, just you know, I don't put all you guys up in the line to go. Well, I'm pretty good. <laughs> y- y'all, y'all go get some change. No, listen, the last two years has been nothing but a ball of change. That's it. I realize that right here. We're in the front of the line, and then the leaders that, that, that are here, part of this church, they're right behind us, and then it goes everybody else, right? That, is called, that, that literally, this place is a reflection of us, and, and, and we got to let Jesus make us who he wants us to be so this church can become what he wants it to be. Amen? Are you all with me on that? 
So listen, so on one hand in this series that we're talking, you know, once again, rethink church, it, there's that piece I want us to remember that we're the ecclesia, and that's awesome, that's encouraging. But then there's also that other piece I want us to evaluate our mindsets, our views, our attitudes, and our heart motives when it comes to church. Because what happens is when we let God to begin to evaluate, we can find out if there's something that's hindering us from becoming the ecclesia, or, for, you know, or hindering us from becoming who God's called us to be. Yes? So, so it's really good to, um, here I'll say it this way. Little point here, side note, you don't have this first, so just hang with me. Um, when Jesus was sitting there at the Last Supper and he said, Look, one of you are going to deny me. Wave your hand down if you ever read that portion of scripture. Wave your hand down if you're awake. <laughs> All right. Had to check on some people there. I didn't know they were staring into the blue, nothing. All right, so anyway, so listen, that <laughs> here they are, they're sitting around the table. Jesus has just washed their feet. They're having this amazing moment, right, with, with Jesus. And they're learning about servanthood and all these things. And then he turns and he's doing what we talked about today. It was the first communion that was ever, ever done, right? And then he says, basically, hey, one of you guys are going to deny me. Notice the next words it says. It says that they went around the table saying, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? They didn't go, I bet it's him. I bet it's him. Watch this. And I believe because the, because the 11 said, is it me? And let, the, let Jesus evaluate their own lives. Guess what? That opened up the door for Pentecost to come later. If they would have said, if they would have said, it's them, it's them, it's them, I think they would have canceled themselves right out of it. Yes? So when we come to church and say, okay, it's time to evaluate, don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about your husband. Don't worry about your wife. Worry about you. Worry about you. Worry about you. Amen? Amen? Uh, so, look, I'll be honest with you to make you feel better. This morning, I'm standing over here, and I'm like, man, Jesus, where are you at? And I'm like, man, why aren't people getting with it? And you know, you know what Jesus told me? Are you focusing on me, or are you focusing on them? Oh. <laughs> right? Anyways, just trying to make you feel better. All right, here we go. He messes with me too, all right? So he's already slapped me upside the head a few times this morning. So, all right, so let's turn. Here we go. Here's what I want to talk about today. That was an introduction, all right? Um, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about um, what I believe our greatest enemy is as a church, okay? What I believe our greatest enemy is as a church, and, and I'll go ahead and say it this way. Um, I don't want us to learn today about our greatest enemy. I want us to be able to confront our greatest enemy if we grab a hold of what I'm going to talk about today, it'll change this church dramatically. So, listen, as, as a preacher, as a pastor, you just want people to apply what God's bringing to the table. Right? And if we learn to apply what God brings to the table, the place will look a whole lot different. Amen? So, let's apply what God brings to the table today, all right? So, let me go ahead and help you out. Um, when I say our greatest enemy, I'm not talking about the devil. All right? Y'all good with that? Has to say something at the... To help some people out. All right, here we go. I want to start off by talking about what our greatest enemy is by reading a, uh, an excerpt from a sermon by a guy named A.W. Tozer. Uh, A.W. Tozer, powerful man of God. Absolutely powerful. And A.W. Tozer died in 1963. So this was preached before then. And I believe it was, it was a uh, prophetic message for today. Okay, I don't have a doubt that I'm sure he was hitting stuff in his time, but it's definitely prophetic for today. And if you're maybe go, okay, well, I don't know what really prophetic means. Prophetic just simply means God speaking. 
coming from God. It's coming from his throne. We'll, we'll make it really simple. And, uh, and the prophetic can happen in several ways. It, it can happen through uh, prayer with someone. It can happen in worship. It can happen in preaching. Or it can just happen in conversation, right? And, and to understand that when, when someone prophesies, there's, always, there's not always a, thus saith the Lord, <laughs> attached to it. All right? Are y'all with me? So in this instance, uh, man, I believe the prophetic word came through the preaching of the word. So let's look at what Brother Tozer said. He said this. You guys ready? I was talking to Sam, uh, the media people, but that's all right. Y'all too. All right, here we go. Because <laughs> I want you guys to read along. This is lengthy. He says, what is the worst enemy the church faces today? Many are ready to say the liberals are the worst enemy. Over 50 years ago. Y'all, are y'all feeling me? It says, but the simple fact is that the average church does not have too much trouble with liberal, uh, liberalism. It says, nobody gets up in our churches and claims that the first five books of Moses are just myths. Nobody says that the story of creation is simply religious mythology. Nobody denies that Christ walked on water or that he rose from the grave. Nobody gets up in our churches and claims that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God or that he isn't coming back again. Nobody denies the validity of the scripture. We just cannot hide behind liberalism and say that it is our worst enemy. Pretty good, yeah? It says, neither do we have a problem with the government. People in our country can do just about whatever they please and the government pays no attention. Just pay your taxes, all right? That catches their attention. All right, here we go. Says we can hold prayer meetings all night if we want, and the government would never bother us or question us. There's no secret police breathing down our backs, watching our every move. We live in a free land, and we ought to thank God every day for that privilege. Everybody said, "Amen." Amen. Then he went on to say this, and here's the point we're reading. This says the treacherous enemy, or the greatest enemy, the church is facing, or the Church of Jesus Christ, is the dictatorship of the routine. Please hear me today. Anyone can predict next Sunday's service and what will happen. This seems to be the most deadly threat in the church today. When we come to the place where everything can be predicted and nobody expects anything unusual from God, we are in a rut. The routine dictates and we can tell not only what will happen next Sunday, but what will happen next month. And if things do not improve, what will take place next year? Then we have reached a place where, there, uh, where what has been determines what is and what is determines what will be. That would be perfectly all right, love this, and proper for a cemetery. <laughs> but listen, we're the church of the living God, amen? Something that's alive is moving, amen? Church needs to move. It says, certainly we cannot predict exactly, but in many churches you can just about can. You, you just about can. Everybody knows just what will happen, and this has become our deadliest enemy. We blame the devil, the last days, and anything else we can think of. But the greatest enemy is not outside of us, it is within it is an attitude of accepting things as they are. We believe that what was must always determine what will be. And as a result, we are not growing in expectation. Somebody say expectation. So if I can maybe put that in a different way, I'm going to say it the way I want to put it. The dictatorship of the routine forces us to believe that our yesterdays will determine our today. And today will determine our tomorrows. Nothing ever changes. It always remains the same. I'm going to give you, so let me say this. This is really important that we understand today that this can happen in our private lives and it can happen in the corporate life of a church. Are you all following me? Let me give you a great example where it happens, okay? Um, That every church today didn't sing a hymn from 1842. And people are mad about that. (laughs) 
Yeah? Bless God, we sang that when my grandparents went to this church. You know, things are different. They're gone. Yeah? Are y'all okay? Y'all got like all quiet on me there. So, you know, the, the part of expectation says, man, what's the, what's the fresh wind of heaven? What's heaven doing? What is God up to? Behold, I do a new thing. Yes? L- l- listen, it's, I've told you this before, but, so I'll just say it again. But, but uh, you know, the first place that worship is ever mentioned in the Bible is when Abraham went to go kill Isaac. Right? And so, when, in other words, it was, it was a sacrifice. He said, the boy and I go, he said, basically, stay here with the donkeys. The boy and I go worship. It's the first thing. And they went up there, and obviously we all know Abraham's there because he heard from God. And then he, he pulls out his, his knife, his dagger, sword, whatever it is, and he goes to, to go uh, kill Isaac. And what happens? The Lord says, Abraham, Abraham. Right? So what happened, what would have happened if he wouldn't have been current with the voice of God? He would have killed the promise. Listen, we have killed the promise again and again and again in church because we have not stayed current in what God is saying and doing. Why? Because, it, because what God is saying or doing doesn't make room for our routine. It means we've got to change. Are y'all following me today? Man, we want, listen, we want to be a church. We're not just just church. We want to be individuals that wake up every day and go, God, what are you saying today? Today. Just make sure it lines up with the book. That's all that matters. Yes? But what are you saying, God? Listen, if you haven't heard God in 20 years, you're not current. If you haven't heard God in a year, you're not current. What is God saying today? Amen. And I'm not saying that he's going to open up, you know, every day and just drop a bomb on you from heaven. But but it should be a regular basis where you're hearing from the Lord and you know what's going on in your life. And the question is, is that would have if if you don't have that, how much room are you making to hear his voice? Listen, I'm going to say this. Some of the most fearful people I've ever met in my life are the people who know how to watch CNN for hours and hours and hours and hours. And they fill themselves with fear and negativity, fear and negativity. They get in the car and they turn on that radio and they listen to fear and negativity. I, God bless Rush Limbaugh and, and, and Hannity and all the other fellows that I don't listen to. But, but, you know, they listen to it and listen to it and listen to it. And they wonder why they're in freak out mode all the time. It's because they've never got along with the one who is the Prince of Peace. I said, Jesus, what are you doing? Yep, you're still in control? That's good. Are y'all with me? Amen. All right, let's get back on task here. Listen, I don't know what your thoughts are about all the stuff we just read, but I 100% agree with Tozer, as you can tell, right? Okay, so, um, but, but I agree with him. And, and let me kind of just throw a few things out at you. It's as if in most churches, and we have quite a bit of it here, and, and understand that there's, there's a balance to all this I'm saying, okay? Yes, because you, cause you can go crazy on the other side, okay? Um, every week's not going to be Christmas, but it's all right when Christmas comes. Yes? All right, so I'll just say it this way. It's as if in most churches we can go from the opening prayer to the closing prayer week after week like clockwork. All we do is repeat the process. Please listen. This is the part I want you to hear today. That all we do is repeat the process without feeling. All we do is repeat the process without meaning. In other words, we're just singing a song again, and we're singing it without wonder. Are you following me? We, 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 we're literally we're listening without surprise. We're listening without hunger. And we drudge forward week after week, month after month, year after year, without any expectation that God is going to come and step in and do something significant. Are you with me today? Because there's this fear in the church that, man, if we stray away 
too far from what our routine is, what our traditions are, what our religious habits are. If we stray too far away from the predictable, the familiar, the, uh, the, the usual, if we, if we stray too far from the same old, same old, if we just, we, we just do what? That, that, that we won't be safe. And there's this mentality in church that we've got to play it safe. Read the Bible. God doesn't play it safe. Yes? He does not play it safe. And uh, what happens is because the, so much of the church is trying to play it safe, they just keep circling that same spiritual mountain again and again and again and again. And they never advance the kingdom and never go anywhere and do anything great for God. It's not the will of God. Do you understand that the will of God does not, uh, it does not center around the fact that, hey, you got saved. Yay, let's celebrate. There's more to it than that. Amen? There's more to it than that. And, uh, you, you know, what happens is if you look at Mount Sinai in the Bible, uh, Mount Sinai represents a spiritual experience. Are you all with me? And, and so what happens is so many people are like the children of Israel. We're going to talk about them in a minute. But they keep circling that same spiritual experience. Honey, that's great. You got saved 20 years ago, but you got to quit circling. Yes. There's more to it than that. And what, once again, it's like, man, as a church, when do we get in a spot where we just, man, we worship God and we're in awe of his wonder? Right? Listen, the Bible says that he is wonderful. What does that mean? It means that he is full of wonder. When's the last time you sat in worship and were just in awe? Listen, if you do nothing else the rest of the week, worship. 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 Get with Jesus and just, and just, I, I promise you this, gang. I promise you, if you find something's got juice on it, that's anointing, and, and you put that on in your car, and you ride around, and you start singing, he's going to come in. There, there, there's something, that there, there's a uh, worship leader, um, man, that God's really used in, in our lives. His name is Jonathan David Helser. Some of you guys have heard him. But, but he has a part of a song that says this, uh, basically, when love starts singing, you can't stay away. Something like that. I'm saying it right Somewhat. But, but that's it. When you start singing from an attitude of love, guess what? God's going to show up. Amen? Amen. All right. Here we go. So, basically, I, I think when we look, and I kind of said already, but when we look at the Old Testament, it doesn't take too long to find out that God's people, you, you know, with God's people being in a rut, with God's people being in a routine, uh, that's nothing new to God. Yes? Let me give you an example. Um, think about this. Think about Moses. He rolls into Egypt. We all know staff and hands declaring, let my people go, right? God begins to move with matchless power and ten plagues and, and, and one parting of the Red Sea later, the celebration begins, right? We've all read that, right? Or at least heard about it or watched the Prince of Egypt somewhere in our life, all right? So, but, but basically, here's the Israelites. These guys are finally free after 400 years of slavery, 400 years of bondage, and they are pumped. Miriam's singing her song. They're dancing. They're leaping. They're, they're having this great moment. And and what happens in that, in that moment, that transition, they're making their way to the promised land, right? We know that God ultimately called them to himself, not necessarily a land, but they're, they're making their way to the promised land. And, and it seems like, man, everything's going great. Man, God did something amazing, uh, but it didn't pan out exactly how God intended. Is that true? Everybody listen to me. I'm going to say this, kind of get myself on point a little bit. But, but just because God speaks doesn't mean it's automatic. 
Do yourself a favor today. Not me. Do yourself a favor. Go read Deuteronomy 28 today. And, and you'll find a word again in it again and again and again. And it's something that the truth of God hinges on. And it's the word if. God says, I will do this if you do this, this, and this. And so here's this thing that God made this promise to this nation, but there was still a hinge attached that if they do these things. And because they didn't do the things that he said, guess what? Everything he promised didn't happen as quick as he said it would. Are you all with me? Watch this. We know this because Deuteronomy 1-2 tells us this. It tells us that from the transition from leaving Egypt into the promised land should have happened in a, and get this, an 11-day journey. That's the Bible. I'm not making that up. From the time that they left, it should have taken them 11 days. A week and a half, gang. That's a good holiday, as the English would say. Literally 11 days to get where they're going. But the Bible says that it took them 38 years to get there. It's like the road trip from hell. (laughs) Right? 38 years. Listen, get that. Once again, 11 days, 38 years. That they spent 38 miserable years circling around the mountain in that dreadful wilderness. You understand, it was never God for them to remain in a wilderness for that. It, it was 11 days. It was, it was God that they would pass through the wilderness, not remain for 38 years. But they remained for 38 years, okay? So uh, let me get back here. So, so if you can kind of imagine, obviously, because God made these promises to them, but instead of waging war and possessing the land, instead of acting like the people of the living God, they sat back and they got complacent in their behavior and they got complacent in their bad attitude. And what they do? They twiddled their thumbs, waiting for the routine to keep on being the routine. What happened? Manna would fall from heaven. We eat. Water would come from the rock. We drink. Next day, man would fall from heaven, we'd eat. Water come from the rock, we would drink. Is that not true? That literally, they repeated that process every day with a really bad attitude. Am I right? Am I right? So, so, so listen, it's, it's like slowly, year after year, they became less inclined to fight. Have you ever went to a church where the average age is 75? There's not much fight there. Is that okay to say that? And, and I'll say that, listen, I, I, I'm not slamming an age, but what I'm saying is, is somewhere along, along the line, somebody forgot to fight for souls. Or there would be young people there. Yes, some, somewhere along the line, we forgot we were spiritual warfare, and we got to call out to God, God, save somebody. Amen? Because the unfortunate part of, of those churches is this, is that, guess what? When that group dies, that church is no more. And I'm going to tell you what's happening in our nation. You know who's moving into that church? Muslims. Hear me. Listen, after a while, we know the Bible says all but a few gave up hope of ever getting to the promised land. Right? That's true. Literally, they lost their passion. They lost their dream. And they became satisfied with just going through circles. They became satisfied with just going through the motions. They became satisfied with just living through the routine. Is that true? It's very true. So, you know, you may be sitting here today, and you know, at least I've thought about it before. Is this. Is God, why didn't you do something? Right? God, you spoke a promise. And here we go. It's supposed to be 11 days. Surely you were waiting on them. You ever had somebody plan on coming to your house? You're waiting on them, right? Yeah, you coming? You coming? Micah did that to me the other night. Hey, bro, you coming? He decided to go home and take a shower. You, you, I'm ready to go. You coming? And, and so, so what happens is uh, 11 days turned to 38 years. Man, by that time, man, they ain't coming. Right? 
So, so here's the thing. I'm not saying that God never did that. But anyway, so, so why didn't God do something? I want you to know that he tried. Get this. That on 35 different occasions, Moses exhorted them to go in and possess the land. Did you get that? 35 times. Another 34 times, Moses uh, tried to remind them of the promised land and the land that God promised. And so get this. So 69 times, if my Alabama math is right, that 69 times God tried to get them out of the routine. How often has he done that in our churches? Yes? How many times? So let me give you an example of this, okay? Um, I'm going to give you an example of one time he tried, and you can read this. In fact, I would encourage you to go read the first two chapters of Deuteronomy. Uh, but Deuteronomy chapter 1 says this, that, that uh, basically 14 years, 11 months, and one day, it's 29 days short of, or of 15 years, God said something to him. He literally broke into the rut, broke into the routine, and here's what he said. I think this is the word of the Lord for us today. Deuteronomy 1, 6 and 7 says this. This is Moses talking. He says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. What's the next word? Isn't that a powerful word? Go. Go. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go. But what did they do? I said we were 15 years into it. Right? They still had 23 more years to go. Right? So what did they do? They kept circling, and an entire generation outside of Joshua and Caleb uh, had to die before the routine was broken, and they could finally go in and possess the land that the Lord's promised them. Do you get that? That a whole nation had to die. And, you know, I'll say this. I don't know if anybody's ever studied revival in this place, but most revivals come through young people. It is. Most of, in other words, that there's a younger generation that gets tired of the routine and says, I want to meet God. I'm tired of this hoopla of going through this routine every day. Man, oh, is Jesus real or not? And then they start pursuing Jesus, and Jesus responds, and he shakes something up. Amen? doesn't have to be young people, though. you got to be breathing. Amen? Amen. So, listen, you know, over the years, I've heard a lot of people make a, a really big deal out of, of what kept that generation of the Israelites out of the promised land. And a lot of people uh, typically point to the way they griped, the way they grumbled, the way they complained about everything. Somebody say everything. Man, whew. I mean, it's like you read the Old Testament, you, you, you just want to slap somebody, right? Maybe I'm the only one. I'm like, man, Moses, you... God bless you. I'd have quit praying and I just said, give me the sword. Anyway, so, but, but, but listen, it's true. These guys, they complained about the food that God provided for them. Uh, man, they, they grumbled about their spiritual leadership that God gave them and, and they blamed God for even leading them out of Egypt in the first place. And then, and what's so wild is they said this, man, it'd be better if we went back to, to the bondage of Egypt. Idiots. Right? That it would have been better if we did that. Okay? And, and can I propose to you today that I believe that all of that griping, uh, grumbling, complaining, moaning, and groaning, all those things, that it was nothing more than a byproduct of being stuck in a routine. Are you all with me today? Listen, uh, after all, once again, nobody, nobody was complaining in the first 11 days. The party was still right. Right? First 11 days, it's good, man. Woo, it's awesome. And then what happened is, is, man, when you get stuck in a routine, personally, corporately, guess what happens? Your, your heart begins to be revealed. And you begin to, li- listen, watch this. You, you say things about the church that God put you in that you never said when you first got there. 
when you first got there, man, God, this is a gift from God. Thank you. And then after a while, <laughs> I hate this place. I need to go somewhere else. Are y'all feeling me? Can, can, I, can I propose to you that the problem is not always the place God sent you? The problem may be you. I asked you, can, I'm going to say that because I worked at a place 14 years. I spent some time in that routine. Are y'all feeling me today? All right, so let's talk about what kept these guys out of the promised land. I'll put some speed on this. Um, what really kept them out of the promised land? Was it their grumbling, their complaining, their griping? No, it was not. It was not. The Bible says it wasn't. So let me show you what the Bible says it was. We're going to throw it up. The Bible says it was unbelief. The Bible says it was unbelief. Let me show you if you don't believe me. Hebrews three sixteen nineteen says this. It says, and who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Get that. Even though they heard his voice. Can I just tell you, y'all can be saved and, and completely outside the will of God? Don't shout me down now. All right, here we go. Listen, it says, wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to who was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never rest, never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? Here's our answer. So we see that because of their what? Their unbelief that they were not able to enter his rest. So here's the point I want to make to you. I personally believe the reason that they spent 38 years in a rut, it all boils down to the one thing that unbelief unbelief produces, and it's called fear. Unbelief produces fear. Because when you don't have faith, guess what happens? Fear comes in. Right? You, You meet someone that's fearful, all you have to do is go, hey, man, what promises are you believing in the word? They don't have one. They don't have one. They have nothing to cling their faith to. They have nothing to sink it into. So true, isn't it? All right. So um, if you have your Bible, let's do this. We'll see what happens. Grab your Bible and let's go to Numbers uh, 13. I didn't give it to those guys in the back because I wasn't quite sure how we were going to do this. But Numbers 13. I'm going to kind of maybe... Quickly, man, I wish we had about an hour for this, but I'll go quickly and uh, produce some th- uh, share some things with you. So um, let's kind of set this up. When you're in a routine, let's just be really honest, okay? When you're in a routine, um, change can be really scary. Yes? Nobody's denying that. L- listen, as church folk, we do not like change. We don't. And, and, and I'll say this, um, if you're a Mainer, you, you, got, you guys wear that thing like a banner, right? Like a badge, right? Like it's an award. We don't like change. Man, I t- I, I've, I've heard, for, for two years I've heard Mainers don't like change and they don't like people from away. I'm from away, and I'm here to bring some change, right? So, so it's like, you know, it's like, does that go good? Um, it's funny. So, but, but here's the truth for all of us, man. Getting out of the routine can be really scary. And I think uh, stepping out of the unknown, Pastor Brian actually mentioned this scripture last week, so you kind of, you probably read it before, but uh, stepping out of the unknown can feel like you're facing giants. Yes. And, and, and so e- even in this sense, I mean, even there's been times with all of us in this room, God has spoke something to our heart. And we're just like, oh, 
right? You're like, you want me to do that? And, and, and the thing is, is we got to remember at this point, at that point, that, that God is not telling us something to freak us out. God is telling us something because he realizes who he is in us. So his confidence isn't in us. It's in who he is. Are you with me? So, so our job is to do what? Is just to go, yes, sir, I don't understand how we're going to do it. I'm going to grab a hold of you like I've never grabbed a hold of you in my life, and we're going to move forward. Right? Trust me, I've been trying to do that for two years. I don't have a clue how you're going to do this. I know the things you've spoken to my heart. I can't even explain it to people. People say, well, what you doing? I look, sound like an idiot. But I know. Right? And I just keep trying to grab a hold of him and going, okay, we're going to inch this thing forward. We're going to get there, Jesus. Right? You're with me. So, all right, so let's read. Here we go. Numbers 13, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, let's stop there. Ready? <laughs> if you read in Deuteronomy 1 and 2, you'll find out that this was not the Lord's idea. I've never heard that, have you? Deuteronomy says that it was the people. God said, go do it. And this was their way of inching out and going, let's see if we can do this. And so God permitted it. It's what it says in Deuteronomy. Okay? So just clarify. Read it. It matches it beautiful. Here we go. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spout the land of Canaan. Says, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one. What's the next word? A what? Leader. leader. Everybody say leader. leader. Leader among them. So you got to grab a hold of this. This isn't a bunch of scrubs. This isn't a bunch of second rate people, man. This is literally that Moses looked at each tribe and he said, man, what's the best leader in the tribe? And he picked 12 guys. That he said, man, these guys are the leaders, they're the top notch, man. These guys, if anybody's got it, these guys got it. And so what happens is, it says that Moses sent them out, uh, we'll speed up here, and, and he said, look, man, go see, go spy out the land, go, go, uh, basically, evaluate it, go search it, go see if it's what God says it is. And of course, we know that they came to the valley of Ishkal, have you said, and, and it says that they grabbed grapes, uh, that the cluster was so big that they had to put a pole in between two people just to carry it. That's pretty impressive. And so it says that they came back, and uh, let, let's pick up. Let's find what verse here we want to go. Um, here we go. Let's go 26. It says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel and the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, at Kadesh, that brought back word to them and to all the congregation, get that, all those millions of people, and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told, uh, told him, Moses, and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Watch this never, next word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, I'll bite you in the butt every time. <laughs> Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. It says the Amalekites dwell in the land with the, uh, of the south, the Hittites, Jebusites, Bud Lights, Miller Lights, Amorites, dwell in, whatever, okay? 
The Canaanites, whatever. Okay, okay. Then it says in verse 30, watch this. So here they are. They're, they're doing their thing, man. It's what God said, but man, here's all the problems with it. And then it comes to verse 30. I love this verse. It says, then Caleb quieted the crowd, uh, or the people, and it says, uh, before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Let me tell you why it's really important at once. All right? Watch this. The reason it's important to do it at once is because the longer you stay around negativity and let negativity stay around you, and the more you sit there, uh, that, that lack of faith and that fear, the more it gets in you. Yes? It, it, I tell you what, as a pastor, it is so hard to get people out of, uh, uh, you know, just a lack of faith where they're sitting there and they've been there 20 years. It's like... It is such a struggle. Why? Because, because they have, it, that negativity is so rooted in their thinking, that's impossible for them to move. And so what it is, Caleb sat here and went, okay, Caleb, Caleb spoke up and tried to get those people's attention off the giants and off the issues and off the problems and put their attention on God. Amen? Because it wasn't that they were able, it was once again that God was able. Amen? And then it goes on and it says this. It says, but the men who had gone up with him Said, get that, the men to go, so he was with them. Says, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. I love this. Let me, let me just show you this verse. It says in Deuteronomy 128 at this point, it says that our brethren have discouraged or melted our hearts. So here they are, they're, get this. It's what God said, yeah. Nevertheless, and it melted their heart. Yes? And then it says this. It says, says the land through which uh, we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw came from the giants, and we were our men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We'll leave that for another day. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Chapter 14, it says, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? All right. Where do we want to go? All right. Several years ago, uh, I felt prompted by the Lord to go, you guys know me, to, to go look up the names of all those 12 spies. I'm a Bible geek. All right, here we go. So I found out that, that one of them is like Shamua, Shamua, however you say his name, Shamu. All right, here we go. So the guy's name actually means this. Get this. Here's a leader in the nation. I'm almost done. Y'all hang tight. Here's a leader in the nation, and his name means this. He that is heard. He that is obeyed. So here's a guy by name. God gave him great influence in the congregation. Watch this. And literally his negative report, the negative things he said about what God called him to do. We can't do that. We can't do that. What happened is, is that influence in his own fear and his own lack of faith literally caused an entire nation to miss the will of God. My question is, is how many people of influence have been in churches that have caused churches to miss the will of God? Because they didn't know how to have faith and believe in the Lord. Are y'all following me today? Got quiet, didn't it? It's so true. So listen, the thing is for us is this, is man, we, we got to know 
who to listen to. Y'all follow me. When I was at the church in North Carolina, um, there was a pastor on staff with us that got, that got offended with our senior pastor. And I was really tight with this guy. You know, basically we'd go and I'd hang out in his office and we'd talk about the word and, and just life in general. Had a really good relationship with him. But his negativity towards our pastor kept surmounting. And then I found myself, the pastor would do something. i go, uh-huh, there it is. You with me? Yep, he's doing that again. Uh-huh. And I found myself repeating what that guy has said. And I found myself struggling with the same emotions that literally I picked up that dude's offense. And then I said, you know what? I, I have to quit hanging out with a Shamu. The bad report. I got to move on. I love you, brother. But I created a distance between us because I chose not to be offended with my leader. Are you guys with me? So to understand, listen. Just for a second, do you think that the enemy is going to want you to be happy in the church that you're in? Recognize that. Yes? Recognize it. I had to to go, okay, man, God had me in that church for 14 years. That's a long time. 14 years, right? I sat in that church. And you know what? You know know when God let me, uh, called me out of there? To go do what the other pieces called me to do when my heart got right. That's when the blessings of God came on my life. Amen? And I'll tell you, it is a struggle, but it can happen. Amen? So, listen, going back to these guys, because they were afraid to move forward, because they were afraid to do something different, because they were afraid to step out of their comfort zone, they remained and they ultimately died in the routine. Scary, right? So, I just got this crazy thought. That if God was writing this story about us, I believe the outcome would be different. My hope would be that the outcome would be different. In other words, that we wouldn't say, man, we can't do it. But we'd be a people that say, man, if God said it, we can do it. Amen. Amen. That if God said it, we can do it. We got to believe that. Yes. All right. So I just think today I'm going to close here. I said this is a personal application and a corporate application. So here's the personal. Um, over the years, I've learned that people really aren't that different than the Israelites. Yes, we're, we, 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 including me, we're not really that different. And it's this, is that in our hearts, we long for more than where we're at because they hated the wilderness. That we long for something more, but we're afraid to step out and do something different. Why? Because it's not safe. Listen, I, I love what John Wimber said. He said, he said, you spell, uh, you spell faith, R-I-S-K, risk. Love that. There, there's risk involved when it's with God. But here's what I've learned about people. When we're stuck in a routine, when we've lost our expectation, when we've lost our wonder, when, we're, when our faith is tired, we've all been there, when, when we aren't walking in our God-given purpose, when we're doing nothing but circling the mountain, when we aren't dreaming with God, what happens? We begin to grovel and complain. We begin to lose confidence in our spiritual leaders and the church God planned us in. And we get frustrated with God because why? Uh, because what God said isn't happening as fast as I'd like. And what happens is, is if you're here a few weeks ago, when we, when we get that bad attitude, we begin to sit at the table of comfort, the table of entertainment, the table of consumerism, and the table of religion. But listen, here's the word of the Lord for you today. You understand? No, stay seated. Sorry. No, stay. No, anyway, so the word of the Lord today. Throw up that verse again. Deuteronomy, yep, one, six, seven, six, seven, six, seven, six, seven, six, seven. 
Maybe it's not the word of the Lord today. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm going to tell you what the word of the Lord is. <laughs> All right, here we go. If it gets behind me, say, there it is. Man, I was giving you a moment. Anyways, here we go. So, let me, so here's the word of the Lord. It says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move. So I'm going to ask you today, individually and corporately, what do we need to move on from? What do we need to move on from? What, what, do, we, uh, what, what do we need to, let me, say, let me ask you maybe this way. Do we need to wake up our expectation? Listen, that when we come into God's house, guys, let's do this. Can, can, we, can we leave the old mindset that we've learned our whole life? Can we leave it out there? Drop that thing off at the parking lot, please. And come in here and let's go, God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do significant? How do you want to surprise us? God, what are you up to? Are you really, what do you want to do today? Y'all see it? <laughs> God, what do you want to do? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your people today. God, I thank you that, God, that you're giving us courage, Lord, to face the greatest enemy that we have. And that's the routine where, we, where we've lost our wonder, we've lost our expectation. God, we're a people that are tired of hearing sermons about it. God, we want to move. God, we want to move. And so, Lord, whatever it is today, God, maybe we need to move on from hurt. Maybe we need to move on from offense. Maybe we need to move on from a failure. God, maybe we just need to move on from a bad attitude. Whatever it is, uh, God, maybe maybe it's even good things that, that have been good for years and years and years. But you're saying, man, i got something better for you in this season. Father, we know it's not all bad. So, Lord, what do we need to move away from? Where do we need to break camp, God, so we can find you in greater measures and greater ways? Uh, God, we want to be a people, Lord, that come with great expectation. Of what you're going to do literally from the time we walk in the room that we believe that man god th- th- there's no telling what you're going to do in conversations with people god that we may be down in the cafe and we may have a conversation with somebody god and you just walk in and you begin to speak uh god that when it comes time to worship god that we just recklessly abandon our heart and say god whatever you want to do do it and lord we believe that you'll show up god when it comes to the preaching of the word god we believe man god let us hear it but not only hear it but god let's put faith to it and let's apply it in jesus name so, God, would you come and just once again stir up expectations, stir up our hearts. Let's just fact, let's say this. Say, Father. Oh, come on. Say, Father. Will you help me get out of the rut and the routine? Let me hear what you're saying and doing now in this moment so I can walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Y'all receive that? Yes. Amen. So, so listen, just an encouraging word, <laughs> right? Super encouraging for you today. L- listen, when we come back next week, gang, I, I know th- th- this, is, this is going to be the toughest thing for us to overcome as in church. It's called consistency. Yes? And once again, it's not, it's not a show. It's not entertainment. But, man, when we come, let's... Um, Man, let's come with expectation this week. Let's come with expectation the next week. Let's come with expectation the next week. And let's see what Jesus will do. Because here, here's what I've learned over the years. Who, who wants to be invited into your routine? Right? I just believe that when we show up at church, man, that, that literally that God, we can say, God, whatever you want to do, you can do it today. And we'll just roll with it. Flexibility is a great thing, yes? Amen.